This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Regardless whoever wins the White House, we are facing serious geopolitical and economic challenges that could lead to the next great financial crisis. You need a recognized safe haven asset for your portfolio and IRA, and that asset is gold. Call Goldline and add physical gold to your portfolio or IRA at 800-913-GOLD. Goldline, been helping people diversify their portfolio with gold for over 55 years. Rated A-plus by the BDB. Read Goldline's important risk information, but do it now, because crazy times are coming. 800-913-GOLD. 800-913-GOLD. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. In school, we are taught that um, Americans were pretty brutal to the Japanese. Um, In World War II, um, we vaporized two cities killed hundreds of thousands of people. How could we have possibly done that? Truman, the president, who decided to drop the bomb, he said when he found out that he was going to be the president and had to make these kinds of decisions, he felt like the the moon and the sun and the stars had all landed on his shoulders. Can you imagine giving the order to say an entire city is going to be vaporized. What made us do that? Are we the bad guys? This peaceful country, this flag plays a role from the vault in trying to figure out who the good guys were, who the bad guys were. And everything always comes down, to me at least, to this one phrase. I learned it from Thomas Jefferson. Question with boldness. Don't be afraid to ask any Question. Question with boldness. And he went on to say, (laughs) Even the very existence of God. For if there be a God, he must surely rather honest questions over blindfolded fear. So let's spend the next few minutes just asking honest questions. No agenda. I'm not trying to get you to believe one thing or another. The United States good, the United States bad. I will tell you, we're a little of both. But when it comes to Japan, who were the Japanese? And what did we do when we pulled that trigger and dropped that bomb? So the things we brought out of the vault today, uh, this is a uh, flag of the Empire of Japan, the rising sun. Um, I don't know what you 
What you see when you when you see the Japanese flag now, I mean, I see nice people, kind people. I I think of the nuclear spill. Um, I think of great televisions, um, great cars, hardworking people. My generation didn't know the Japanese like the Japanese were under this flag. This flag was actually taken from the um, from the island of Tinian. And Tinian is a little teeny island that we needed to have if we were going to beat the Japanese. And um, it was where we first landed uh, Fat Boy and uh, Fat Man and Little Boy. Those were the two bombs that we dropped on Japan. I don't know if you've seen the um, videos from ISIS, but these videos from ISIS where they are um, uh, just slaughtering people en masse. Um, they're using girls uh, as, as, uh, as playthings, and they rape them repeatedly. They keep people in cages. Um, they kill them for sport. What most people don't understand, because we are so busy blaming the United States, and for some reason, Japan has escaped, just like Russia, escaped any kind of bad mark in World War II. It's only the United States and Germany. We know that Germany um, killed millions of people. But nobody focuses on what Stalin did, even before the war. And certainly nobody, at least in this hemisphere, ever talks about Japan other than we shouldn't have bombed them. But the reason why I wanted to start with ISIS is because Japan at the time were a combination of ISIS beheading people and Nazi Germany. On the island of the Philippines, a sword just like this one uh, was used by about 10,000 soldiers to kill anywhere, conservative number is 100,000, topside number is 500,000 people, women, children, men, on the Philippines. And they would have head chopping contests where they would line people up and then they'd give two men a sword just like this. Which one can chop off more heads in two minutes. They would take children and babies and throw them up and see how many could be caught on the sword. That's the ISIS side. But let me tell you about the German mentality of the Japanese. The Japanese went in and um, marched into China. Again, another forgotten statistic. The Japanese were um, responsible for about 20 million Chinese deaths. 20 million people were killed by Japan in China. It's hard to believe but they got as good at killing people uh, as Germany did and as efficient. And, of course, they were studying. They wanted to learn about the human body. 
There was a project called U-731. U-731 was this a really nasty um, group of Japanese that most people in the West have never even heard of. They went into China, first place they used it uh, was, I think, Mongolia. And this unit, U-731, Unit 731, would go in and they set up a little laboratory for themselves. And uh, they wanted to see how fast does it take for an average person to bleed out? What if you just chop off this hand? How long would it take? How about both hands? How about a leg? How about two legs? How long does it take you to die in cold water? Sound familiar? It's what the Germans were doing. They did all kinds of experiments, including live vivisections, where they wanted to see what was happening in the body, and they would poke and prod around while the person uh, lay screaming in pain. Nobody really paid attention to that. The Germans got all of the glory. Maybe it was because of the snappy uniforms. I don't know what. But nobody paid attention to that. The War Crimes Tribune, they paid uh, attention to it. We took off in that plane and that bomb And we killed two cities, two cities. How could Americans do that? Jeremy, do we, this is not typewriter. You don't even know about that typewriter, do you? No, a little not. (laughs) Um, This is not, uh, what was his name? General General Yamashita. No, that is not. But if you would have given me a few more minutes, I could have got it here for you. We do know the person who has. General Yamashita's sword, World War II. And General Yamashita was like a really nasty... He, he was. He, he was the was he general. Actually, yeah, but was he actually doing it? Because the thing was, if I understand it right, they had rape hotels. They killed between 100 and 500,000 people. Um, uh, they, they, you know, they were killing babies, women, children, everybody. Um, and... Yamashita said he wasn't responsible. Correct. That was the defense that he used in the right. war trials that he had in Manila. And uh, he was hung. He, uh, he didn't make it. Uh, his defense was, how can I be in charge of all these other people on these different islands? I didn't have communication with them. But as a commanding officer, you're responsible. You are in charge. And that's what actually was used in a war trial with, um, uh, what's his name? Milosevic. Uh, yeah, Milosevic. Correct. And he didn't get away with it either. Nope. Yeah. Not. This is... This is actually General Yamashita's, and that is the original. And this is something that will absolutely drive uh, the guy who owns Yamashita's sword crazy. (laughs) He'll let us borrow the sword whenever we want, because we'll let him touch this. Uh, This is is pretty amazing. And um, this is Yamashita's uh, last statement. And it was... Uh, certified by this guy. I'll get to that here in a second. But it says, I was carrying out my duty as Japanese high commander of the Japanese army in the Philippine Islands to control my army with my best during wartime. Until now, I am believing that I am tried to do my best throughout my army. As I said in Manila Supreme Court, that I have done with all my capacity so I don't ashamed in front of God for what I have uh, done when I die. But if you say to me, 
you have not any ability to command the Japanese army. I should say nothing for it because it is my own nature. Now our war cr uh, criminal trial going on in Manila Supreme Court. So I wish to be justify under your kindness and right. I know that all of your American and American military affairs officers always have been tolerant and rightful judgment. When I have been investigated in Manila court, I have had a good treatment, kindful attitude from your good-natured officers who uh, all the time protect me. I will never forget what they have done for me, even uh, if I have died. I don't blame my executioner. I pray God bless him. Please send my thankful word to Colonel Clark, Colonel Purdhouse, Yada, yada, yada. Um, I thank you. And down here, it is signed by Charles Renaud, I think it is, uh, First Lieutenant, CMP. What's CMP? Don't know what CMP stands okay. for. Official. Executioner. So this was signed by the guy who executed um, General, Yamashita. Yeah, General Yamashita. Do you think, this always bothered me, the first time I read this. Um, he's talking about how, oh, I know you guys are so great and and you were so kind. I mean, does that sound like... I mean, why is he kissing up there? I don't know. Maybe he was humble. He knew the end was there. And he's like, look, I understand that uh, my time is limited. And you guys, you know, you did what you had to do. That's, that is the last words. Okay. This was typed on this. <laughs> I knew you would enjoy this. And this is the first word processor... Um, now we have computers, wow. so you don't have word processor, but word processor, that computer over there, that basically was a stupid word processor. Um, it, it didn't do anything that you could you can do on computers now, but this was the first word, process, uh, word processor. You could take it, and I don't know how exactly it works, but you take this out, and you and put these in. You have different fonts. Yeah, and you have all kinds of different fonts uh, for whatever you wanted to type, and this was actually... Uh, the surrender of the Japanese at the Philippines was typed on this, as was oh, this. Oh, you've got to be kidding yeah. me. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Wow. So here we are. We know um, the American people didn't know this. Um, they didn't know that we were going to, um, uh, that we were fighting the Japanese, uh, at least I don't think so, that we were fighting the Japanese as we... Uh, think of them in the last few minutes. Um, uh, they, the, it was the Germans that were the evil ones. Um, the Japanese were, were known as uh, fierce fighters, uh, suicide bombers. Um, but as I look at them now in history, they were much more ISIS. Uh, I agree. Um, where... Their honor took them because they believed, just like ISIS does, God was, they were answering to God, and their God was the emperor. They died for God, which doesn't make sense with um, General Yamashita's um, statement. statement. Because he's saying here, uh, justify your kindness, uh, kindness and right. Uh, I will pray God bless them. He's looking at his emperor as God. He also says, that I didn't have control, I told those guys to leave. I told 10,000 men to leave, and they wouldn't come with me. Mm -hmm. We didn't believe that because that army was so disciplined with honor that they would not have disobeyed the general's order. Would you agree with that? I'd agree. 
Yeah. Um, now, again, the premise is that we're being taught in school is that this, explain what that is. This happens to be a model of little man, little boy, sorry, little boy. Little boy. Uh, signed by Paul Tibbetts on the back, uh, Dutch, the navigator here on top. So this is what that model would have looked like. And it flew on the Enola Gay. And this, that is correct. Here is a model of the B-29, the Enola Gay, and uh, what it looks like. Um, the beginning of the, the end, you talked about the flag earlier, Tinny, and that was the island, just on the north side of that island, three huge runways uh, that we used. Um, in fact, to this day, they have the little spot where uh, they dug into the tarmac so they could fit this bomb down in there and then lift it up into the bottom because this was not a normal bomb, both this one and the other one that were dropped, to lift it up into the B-29s and secure it. And they launched from the north island, uh, the north part of that island, Tinian, took off and, uh, on that fateful day. And so that, uh, that flag captured by our Marines correct. to be able to make room for that yes. plane and that bomb. That is correct. Okay. And so we took off in that plane and that bomb, and we killed two cities. Two cities. How could Americans do that? Forget the fact that the Japanese killed 20 million uh, Chinese. Forget the fact about the rape rooms. Forget the fact about U-731. How could Americans just wipe out innocence like that? Question with boldness especially when something doesn't feel right. Just looking through this book of the War of the Pacific, and um, I saw the movie um, Hacksaw Ridge with uh, Mel Gibson. I mean, like, actually with Mel Gibson. Um, And um, his father is obviously quite disturbed. Um, But I said to him, did you... Have you seen, has your father seen this movie yet? Because his father was in the Pacific in World War I, uh, II. And he said, oh, no, no, no. And um, I said, why? And he said, he still, now he's in his 90s, still has night terrors. I mean, the, the, and you could see it in some of these pictures. The, the, the battle was so bloody. And in this movie, you see that... Um, they are fierce. They are. Really fierce. Um, and even after we dropped the two bombs, in the, I don't know how many days went by in between where we were negotiating, there was a real concern that the peasants were grabbing control of the army because Radio Tokyo, this is Tokyo Rose's microphone, thanks for pulling it out of the vault, um, the, the, the propaganda was so good that everybody said they were winning. Mm. And so the peasants were like, we're going to forget the emperor, which is astounding. Forget the emperor. We're going to take control of the army. And so while we were in negotiation, there was worry that they weren't going to give up. Um, This is the one thing that I really want you to take away from. I want you to take away what we're about to show you. Bill O'Reilly's coming up in a second, and I'm sure he knows about this too. I don't know if he's even seen any of these. Um, Tell us about, first, before we get to these, uh, yeah, that. 
Tell me about that. All right, so we're looking at post uh, little boy bomb going off. Which was first? This is uh, the first one, Enola Gay. Okay. Boxcar came second for Nagasaki. And this was written by Dutch, uh, who is the navigator, call sign, uh, call sign Dutch. Um, interesting writes about it. The sentence you need to pay attention to is the very last one, and it says, Earlier, we dropped millions of leaflets, which were largely ignored, period. Okay. Now, this is the navigator. Um, we have a picture of the Enola Gay show where, Correct. where he would have. I'm going to take this. So, uh, pilot was set here, co-pilot, bombardier up the front, navigator set right behind the pilot's seat. So, it would have been just right back here that Dutch was sitting that day on the Enola Gay. So, here's this picture of the atomic bomb um, signed by the navigator. And um, he says, uh, most people do not recall why we dropped the atomic bomb. It was forgotten after 64 years, only remembering the large casualties they caused. We dropped the bombs to end the war and stop the killing by destroying the military and military support facilities defending against. Now, let me show you, um, let me show you an example of this. Here, this is a leaflet. Now, we dropped 8 million of these leaflets. You have to ask yourself, after 8 million of these, how come you don't know about it? 8 million of these leaflets. And you will see that it is a factory and a family. And what this is basically saying is, families get out. You're building bombs. You're building, you know, war machine things out of here. We're coming, and we're going to bomb. So get your family out of the area. Show me some of the others. This one is a... uh, Boat, if your ship looks like this, we're going to be coming uh, bombing. Here's another leaflet. Show me, show me some of the others there. This is interesting. This is as we moved across the Pacific here. You can see that uh, we've got uh, the Philippines, which were um, supplying a lot of the resources to mainland Japan. And as we moved across, you can see this arrow. They we're going to cut off those supplies. In the translation down here, it says, hey, get your stuff together because money's not going to buy you food when there's no food. Get your food stores together, stuff that you can live on. What country says get your food storage together? I mean, it's like, it's like what are these, Mormon bombers? Uh, get your food storage together and get your home teaching done as well. Here is, uh, here's another one showing the, bombs, uh, the bombers flying over the industrial section where the ships are. And on the other side, it shows they're going to be bombing it. Um, I want to show you... This one. Now, we have, we have translated everything that it says, but it says, uh, read this carefully as it may save your life or the life of a relative or friend. In the next few days, the military installations in four or more of the cities named on the reverse side of this leaflet will be destroyed by American bombs. These cities contain military installations and workshops and factories which produce military goods. They're determined to destroy all tools of the military clique, uh, which they uh, are using to prolong this useless war. Unfortunately, bombs have no eyes. So in accordance with the American uh, well-known humanitarian principles, the American Air Force, which does not wish to injure innocent people, now gives you a warning to evacuate the city's name to save your lives. America is not fighting the Japanese people. It is fighting the military group which has enslaved the Japanese people. 
The peace which America will bring will free the people from oppression of the military and mean the emergence of a new and better Japan. You can restore peace by demanding new and good leaders who will end this war. We cannot promise that these will be the only cities that will be among those attacked, but at least four will be. So take heed and evacuate these cities. On this uh, uh, is Nagasaki uh, and uh, Hiroshima. We also sent leaflets out that said, we have, we have one bomb that will do more damage than all of the bombs sent out uh, by all of the bombers that we have sent out before. So you understand, um, and this, again, is something that we never teach in schools, how many people died um, in Nagasaki or in Hiroshima? There were 70 to 80 that day initially from the bomb blast and the ensuing fire. Okay. Died that day. Okay. How many people died Afterwards, I don't know. Seventy thousand were injured okay. of those radiation. I don't know. So, uh, let's say one hundred and forty thousand. Let's say they all died. One hundred and forty thousand, maybe a quarter of a million. Correct. Um, just the firebombing, um, and can you find that picture that you were showing me? Just the firebombing of Tokyo, where we didn't use unconventional weapons, um, killed one hundred and twenty thousand people. In fact, it burned down. Um, 125 miles of, um, of, of city, a population, not only did 120,000 die, not only was 125 miles burned down to the ground, but a population roughly the size of Chicago was homeless because of it. This was the kind of stuff that we were trying to stop. We were trying to stop the Japanese from their slaughter of 20 million Chinese. It wasn't just us we were trying to save. It was the Japanese people. It was the Chinese people. It was the people in the Philippines. And let me give you an idea. The Japanese were so relentless and so diehard and so loyal. And not only would they fly their planes in as kamikaze pilots. The only people that we have seen, aren't they? The only people we've seen besides Al-Qaeda or ISIS that are suicide bombers. Um, They had a lot in common with that. This is one of the uh, islands in the South Pacific. We were afraid that this is what the islands would look like, the island of Japan, if we had to invade. They, I, Nothing left. Yeah, they were so entrenched in what they were doing and protecting what they had that if we would have had to invade the mainland Japan, it would have been, I don't know, millions of the estimates. But look at the picture. Look at that island and what we had Nothing to do left. just to try and stop them. And this is just on a small atoll, a speck out in the middle of the Pacific. And what, what kills me is this is right. The one line that jumps out to me is... Um, Uh, The peace which America will bring will free the people from the oppression of the military and mean the emergence of a new and better Japan. That's exactly what happened. That is. Japan flourished and became this great country until they learned our banking and monetary uh, ideas. But they were fantastic and no better friend than the Japanese people after the war. That is correct. Bill O'Reilly is next. He's written a book on all of this. Question with boldness. 
even the very existence of God. For if he, if there be a God, he must surely rather honest questioning over blindfolded fear. We provide unbelievable evidence in Killing Rising Sun that if a bomb had not been dropped, m- millions more would have died. Yeah, easy. millions. So, Bill, are you are you are you ever a happy guy? Because you, every time I see you, it's always like, "Hey, Beck." Uh, I'm happy to be on your program, Beck. All right, okay, all right. <laughs> um, you're now killing the sun. Yeah, the rising sun. Yeah, the rising sun. Um, mm-hmm. I actually thought I didn't see rising when I first heard about this book coming out, and I thought you were just you were, and I thought that's not a good idea, Bill. And you, maybe this time you've gone too far. Um, <laughs> this is um, this is a book um, about the end of World War II, and um, it ends with the bomb. And I want to get into a little bit about that um, uh, at what's at the very end of the book. But what are the things that you um, wrote about here, Bill, that you learned that you said? I had no idea. Nobody knows this. Uh, a lot of stuff. Um, the reason we wrote this book, because Killing Patton was so successful, that we did the same formula uh, the last six months of the war in Europe, World War II. But it was a much uh, harder book to write, Rising Sun, because there weren't reporters on Guadalcanal and Iwo Jima. And, and the military uh, kept the reporters off those battlefields for a variety of reasons. It was so dangerous. There's no infrastructure. And very few prisoners were taken on either side. Uh, and MacArthur, uh, the commander in the Pacific, really didn't want that kind of reportage. So we didn't get the press reporting in the Pacific that we did in Europe. So we had to research it through the eyes of the people who actually fought those campaigns. The atom bomb, a little bit different. There was reporting about that. Yeah. But we, you know, ferried out the uh, interesting stuff and behind-the-scenes stuff about how it was dropped. So let me, let me take you um, to something that, um, that I found fascinating is that, that really, and you don't say this in your book, but really the Japanese were the um, World War II version of ISIS. They were brutal, brutal huh. people. Not too much difference between uh, the Nazi party and the cult that followed Hirohito. Um, and again, we don't get that kind of reporting because the atrocities the Japanese committed in China, uh, the rape of Nanking, things like that, weren't really reported widely in the USA. So, yes, and, and that part of Killing a Rising Sun is brutal. And readers need to be uh, aware that when you read the book, the- it's, it's a tough book. Talk, talk, talk a little bit about the rape of Nanking. Well, in the 30s, the Chinese were uh, on the defensive because Japan was expanding its empire to try to get uh, raw materials and, and things like that. So they go in. Uh, the Japanese army was stronger than the Chinese army. They go in. They defeat the Chinese. They have them on the run. They're pushing them back. And when they occupy, I mean, they go in and they rape. Just same thing the Russians did in Berlin when the Russians came in uh, when Hitler was falling apart. And they rape and, and they kill and they're beheading people and they're doing it for sport. And, and, and the Japanese newspapers actually reported it. They, uh, the Japanese people actually knew this was happening. All right. And they were fine with it. And then when the Americans started to fight the Japanese, the atrocities continued with the POWs. So how did it, uh, how did it change so rapidly, Bill, to where, you know, uh, the, the newspapers were reporting it, people were fine with it, and then they became the Japanese that we know in our generation, yes. these good Excellent people. question. How did that happen? 
Excellent question. Somebody writing these questions? That's that yeah, no, I, I, I've... That excellent yeah, thank question. You. Thank you. Well, you know, I read, I, I read good books. Not yours, of course, but I, I read good <laughs> Well, books. you should back because mine is selling an enormous amount. So I know, I you know. pick up some stuff. I anyway, know. look, I'm, I'm going to answer this question through the lens of my father, who was in the occupation. He was at Tokyo Bay. And I asked him, you know, what did you think of the Japanese people? And he has had, he's, he passed away, a lot of respect for them. Once the Japanese people were defeated, and once the military dictatorship fell apart, it was a matter of survival. They were stunned. The Japanese people were stunned. They were stunned because the atom bomb uh, took so many lives in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They were stunned because the United States leveled Tokyo with standardized bombing. So the people were like numb and shell-shocked. And, 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 the, fact, and the fact that Hirohito was a god. He was, but, right. but this god was running around in his underwear hiding from people. So I think that sheen came off. Yeah, right. But once the American occupiers came in and the Japanese saw that they weren't brutal, that the Americans were disciplined, they treated the people all right, they fed the people, housed the people. MacArthur was the supreme commander. He didn't arrest Hirohito. He actually treated Hirohito with respect. They, they posed for pictures. Now, Tojo and the war criminals, they were hung. But the Japanese people in general, I think, were expecting the kind of brutality that their own army um, uh, committed. And when the Americans came in and did not do that, then the Japanese people fell into line. They were an obedient society anyway, and they fell into line. Um, you know, we were just talking about the... Um I have these amazing leaflets. We dropped five million leaflets uh, over the Japanese saying we're going to bomb these cities and we have yeah. something so horrible. Why isn't that taught, Bill? Why, why is it we've been and, and this will oh. lead me into the end of the book and I don't I don't want to get there yet. But we have this thing where we are flogging ourselves over the atomic bomb. We begged them surrender, surrender. Right. Well, as you know, I opened the book with Reverend Wright, uh, President Obama's pastor, saying, uh, you guys, America, goddamn America, you deserve what you're getting on 9-11 because what you did in Nagasaki and Hiroshima. I opened the book with that. And I say, you know what? This guy, Reverend Wright, doesn't know what he's talking about. And then I proceed to make your point over 300 pages that we tried everything. everything. Truman didn't want to drop it, but the Japanese left us no choice. Um, let, let me take you to the letters at the end. Um, uh, you reached out to surviving presidents and asked them, would you have dropped the atomic bomb if you were in Truman's position? Uh, I noticed Bill Clinton didn't write back. Right. Uh, what a surprise. But uh, but you, you you got Carter on the record and right. uh, and both the Bushes. Right. Tell me what you learned from that. Well, number one, Barack Obama wouldn't do it because I don't think he would have dropped the bomb. I, I, I really believe that Barack Obama would not have dropped the atom bombs. Number two, Bill Clinton didn't uh, reply because he didn't want to cause any controversy for his wife running for president. That's my assessment because Clinton would have dropped the bomb. 
Uh, now, the other three presidents were very nice to, to uh, take my uh, letter and write back very articulately all. And remember that Carter and Bush, the elder, were in the theater. Right. They were there. And um, they put forth what they would have done and why. Very instructive, I thought. Um, did um, uh, When you say that Barack Obama wouldn't have dropped the bomb, what, what makes you say that? He's just not a man who believes that violence is the answer, all right? And you can see it in the war on terror. He, he will not confront the essential problem of the Islamic Jihad. He dances around it. And I just don't think that in his heart he wants to be on record saying, I would have dropped the atom bomb. I support Harry Truman. I, don't, I think that goes against... He probably feels that if he were president at that time, he could have negotiated a surrender, something like that. But I, I just can't see him saying, yeah, the bomb was uh, justifiable and here's why. I just can't picture it. If we were facing again, would you drop the bomb? Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. And we provide unbelievable evidence in Killing Rising Sun that if the bomb had not been dropped, millions more would have died. Yeah, easy. Millions. And, um, and we're talking Japanese civilians. They were training kids with, with sticks. Kids had sticks. All right? And if the United States had, had landed on those beaches and the bombardment that would have come before that, these kids all would have been dead in the street. You know, if you look at the casualty list in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, it's bad, but not nearly as bad as it would have been if the United States had to invade that country. In, in, in the book... Um Harry Truman uh, said, I felt like the moon, the stars, and all the planets had fallen on me in the final months of World War II. Um, it, it, you've written enough about the other presidents. This was one decision that wiped out cities. Do you think this is the hardest decision any president has had to make, if not I think which so. One? I mean, Truman, remember, FDR was the guy who started the atom bomb research and okayed it, and Roosevelt would have dropped it like that, okay? There's no doubt in my mind that he would have dropped it. But when he died, Harry Truman took over, and Roosevelt had disdain for Harry Truman. He, didn't, he, he wasn't briefing him on the war. He didn't give him any information. They treated him like a clerk, all right? So all of a sudden, there's Truman... Um, a senator from Missouri, really, with no foreign policy experience, thrown into the end of World War II, where he had to deal with that monster Stalin, and he had to defeat uh, Hirohito. And that thing was still going on big when, when Truman took over. So Truman had to decide, look, I'm up against MacArthur, I'm up against Eisenhower. Eisenhower didn't want to drop the atom bomb. Eisenhower recommended against it. Nobody knows that. All right. And Truman really stepped up. And Truman, in my opinion, is a great president and did what he had to do to protect Americans. Remember, that's what the president's job is. Protect Americans. I don't know if Barack Obama gets that. All right. He wants to protect the world. But the president's sworn oath is to protect us. And Truman did. Bill, can I uh, let me switch topics with you here for a second, because you've written books about um, the you know, the, the death of people and now a death of an era, if you will. Um, um, we are in a death of an era right now, or possibly, um, where right now people are looking at this election as doomsday. No matter who gets in, it, you know, half the country says it's doomsday. If Trump gets in, half the country says it's doomsday. If she gets in, 
I got news for everybody. I'm going to be you. We survive both of them. Um, but we are we're killing each other right now, especially in the GOP. What does the conservative movement and the GOP look like after this election? It's hard to tell. I mean, you don't know what is going to happen. I thought that Hillary Clinton would easily beat Donald Trump. But now I'm, I'm reassessing that because uh, Mrs. Clinton's problems are so deep and profound that I think some of her support may stay home, whereby Trump is, you know, Trump. And uh, if he can mobilize enough people who really haven't voted in the past, it, it falls down along racial lines. But he may may be able to squeak it out, Trump. Um, no matter what happens, though, I think Americans are strong enough to, uh, on an individual basis, do the right thing. But I am worried about the Supreme Court. I'm certainly worried about that. And I am worried about people being unbelievably vicious toward their fellow citizens. We're certainly seeing that. Um, and I don't know how you turn that around right now. Mm. Bill, thank you very much. Thanks Appreciate for having me in. It. You bet. Uh, Killing the Rising Sun, Bill O'Reilly's latest. Thanks, Bill. We spend so much time tearing ourselves apart. And, and quite honestly, we should tear ourselves apart on things like this. This is the Japanese exclusion order, number 41. This is um, horrific, horrific. May 5th, 1942, at the Presidio, one of the most beautiful places in the most beautiful city in, the, I think, in the world, San Francisco, California. And it says that at 12 o'clock noon Pacific, um, any person of Japanese ancestry, ancestry, both alien and non-alien, need to report um, at this station. Uh, and if not, you will be liable to criminal uh, penalties provided by public law number 503, 77th Congress, approved March 21st, 1942. We rounded the Japanese up. And we didn't need to. In fact, the guy right here that signed it, um, he was against it. He quit in shame after a while. He, he said this is one of the worst things. He begged um, uh, FDR not to do it. Please don't do this. We don't have to do this. But um, FDR had his own reasons, and we made a huge mistake. But what nation hasn't made a huge mistake? What nation tries to be better than we do? I don't understand why we let Unit 731 go. We let them go. We excuse them. If they would just give us all of their um, data. You now take your kid into a hospital in America and he has hypothermia. He's bleeding out. We know because the big, huge medical book that is there as the reference guide for everybody, that information came from the Nazis or the German extermination and torture camps. Should we use that information or not? How many lives have been saved because we didn't throw it away? 
how many lives were taken because those two societies did that. We've never done that because we've always believed in individual rights, not the collective right. We've done some really bad things. But let's not forget the leaflets where we begged people, please, please, leave the city. Put down your guns. Stop. We're the only country in the world that did it. And ask anybody who's been in Afghanistan or Iraq. We still drop those leaflets. Because that is who we are. And anyone who tells you differently, question with boldness. Regardless of whoever wins the White House, we are facing serious geopolitical and economic challenges that could lead to the next great financial crisis. You need a recognized safe haven asset for your portfolio and IRA, and that asset is gold. Call Goldline and add physical gold to your portfolio or IRA at 800-913-GOLD. Goldline, been helping people diversify their portfolio with gold for over 55 years. Rated A-plus by the BBB. Read Goldline's important risk information, but do it now, because crazy times are coming. 800-913-GOLD. 800-913-GOLD.